friends, people for peace, odds of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton. Today's show, a little bit different, kind of a uh, compilation of various things that have uh, both happened uh, recently in, in my life and in the world. And then I'm going to play part of an interview that was uh, one of the first ones I had uh, over two years ago here when uh, this particular show, uh, Glocal News, got its start. And uh, we'll hear again from Vander Hughes, a friend of mine, a former Lincoln student, a wellness graduate, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So uh, sit back, relax, uh, wherever you happen to be, and uh, enjoy the show. Hello, friends. It's Saturday, May the 30th, 2020, and a lot of tragedies have been going on very recently and throughout the last few months, few years, few centuries. How do we process things like this? I know it can't be easy, but I'm going to share a little bit with you of some things that I've been taught that helped me, and they may help you. Of course, I'm one that has not had a lot of suffering in my own life, yet internally, I have probably suffered more than you would know or will ever know. So the practices that I'm going to mention are not intended for any particular group of people. They're for me, and they've worked for others. A simple one, which (laughs) is only simple in words, it's not simple in internalizing, is a practice that I first uh, thought was crazy. (laughs) I think you pronounce it Opono-Opono, came out of Hawaii. That that is, I thought it was crazy till I needed to, I needed help one time, and I, I practiced it. And it was very helpful and continues to be. I'm going to put it in a framework that's a little broader than the way I first heard it. And I'll just say this to you. If I or any of my family or any of my ancestors have ever brought harm to you or any of your family or any of your ancestors, I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. When I use the word forgiveness in this context and these phrases, I have to apply them to myself as well because I I make a separation between me, the soul, the as, as I call me, a, a pod of consciousness, and all the thoughts and and feelings and and behaviors that I grew up being programmed with. And so I want to also forgive myself for the thoughts and feelings and behaviors of my past that have brought harm to others and have brought harm to me. Uh, Because here's my belief. I, I believe we all grew up the same way in the sense that we all grew up being programmed by the thoughts and feelings and behaviors of all those around us. And that we really didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. I know a lot of people say, well, it's your responsibility. You made choices. Well, I'd like to ask you, when did I start making the choice not to be afraid of something? Did I choose to be afraid of something? Did I choose to hate something? Did I choose to feel depressed, inferior, ugly? I don't believe I chose those things. I believe those are a result of being infected with something I call the judging virus that gets in me, got in me, got in you when we were very young. And it started to compare and condemn, condemn me, condemn you. The virus didn't care. It's just a virus. 
it's just there to condemn. And if it finds the opportunity, it'll work. You recognize that? Self-condemning as well as pointing the finger at somebody else? Sure you do. We all have had that. And most of us still have that. But when you start to see that that's a virus that got programmed into you, you got infected with by those people around you that were infected, then you become the victim of a virus. You become uh, diseased with this virus. And are you going to let the virus continue to rule your life? Or are you going to start seeing it the way it really is, that those thoughts are not you? That virus is not you. Those feelings are not you, and they can be changed. I use the term substitution. Once you see something that is not helping your health or the health of anybody else or the, something that is unloving and, and full of hate, if you want to get rid of it, you'll have to starve that one out and substitute an alternative, just like the, the story of the two wolves struggling in my heart, the vengeful, violent, hateful wolf versus the loving, kind, compassionate wolf. And which one's going to win? It's the one I feed. So if we start with us, I'm sorry. I love you. Forgive me. Thank you. If we say that and and apply that inwardly first, then we can start to look out and see that the same thing has happened to everyone around us. Do we want to condemn them because they've got the judging virus? Because their behaviors are hateful and hurtful and, and, and awful, ugly? Or isn't that just us keeping the same thing they have? How do we change? How do we change a culture? How do we change a society? We, we change by teaching the truth, applying it within our own mind first, our own lives first, passing it on, and keeping the consistency. No, I, I don't hate you. I love you. No, I don't condemn you. I understand why you did what do we understand? Have we, have we taken the time to listen to someone's story to know what brought about the behaviors that they have? Likely not. That's what the Compassionate Listening Project's all about, taking the time to listen to people's stories. It doesn't make them right in their story. It simply is their story and how they came to be and do and feel what they are, then you can separate that soul, that pod of consciousness that's trapped in there by all of those unexamined behaviors, unexamined thoughts, and have some compassion. Yeah, compassion. Well, that's one way to approach the situation of today, yesterday, a hundred years ago. I believe it may be the only solution. And the more we believe it and apply it and practice it in our everyday life, I believe the more it can grow. Just like you plant a seed, watch it grow. Yep, that's the way it works in yourself and others. So uh, be well, be as well as you can. I know you're doing the best you possibly can with the tools you have. Everybody is. Everybody's doing the best they can with the tools they have. Yeah, I think so. Well, enough preaching, huh? <laughs> I love you. I care about you. Take care. So let me introduce you all to Vander Hughes. He's a graduate of Lincoln University. He was one of my advisees in yes. my wellness mm -hmm. program uh he's a personal trainer he is a entrepreneur he's a motivational speaker and this is going to be an opportunity for you to hear a story that we don't hear 
very often. And I'm really giving the hour over to Vander to uh, tell us his story. And unfortunately, it's probably the story of too many other uh, folks out there that are in the shadows, so to speak. So without further ado, Vander Hughes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks, Doug. I really appreciate this opportunity. <clears throat> um, it's definitely a, a platform that I can um, appreciate because it's an um, opportunity to get um, my story out um, for more purposes than one, motivational being the first, um, and, you know, and inspiring others to, you know, to keep on keeping on because mm-hmm. um, in a time of today, you know, it gets kind of challenging um, when you try to, you know, make make progress in this world um and for unseen obstacles you know whether it be you know intentional or non-intentional yet they are obstacles um some of these obstacles become detrimental to quite a few people's um um you know goals and aspirations and kind of puts them at a halt and what we need what we would like to know is how could we possibly um keep on and get through it and, and maintain and become progressive. Um, and in my story, you know, it started at a time when I was young, obviously. Um, I was a teenager, 16, 17 to be exact. Um, and I was doing what pretty much 16, 17-year-olds were doing at that time. You know, um, you're looking at 1989, 88, you know, around that time. And we were doing pretty much what, what the youngins were doing at that time. And um, because of that, you know, I um, I was young. I was mentally young, physically young, and so I was um, out of the loop. And I ended up into a world because of um, lack of finance with my family. We lived in a in a community that was kind of impoverished, but not so much by impoverished by um, you know just money more so, but spiritually we were rich. Mm-hmm. You know, um, family wise, we were rich. Mm-hmm. And so the moral the moral basis was there. Good. Unfortunately, the money and the lack of, you know, caused us to have to live a certain way. And and a lot of those in my community and we made some decisions that were based on our environment. And um I you know, unfortunately one of my decisions I made cost me. Mm-hmm. It cost me a price that I wasn't willing or could afford at the time. Unfortunately, I had to pay that price. Mm-hmm. Um and it ended me into a you know, I was one of the kids who were smart. You know, mm-hmm. I was so smart that I skipped the grade. Um, I tested out, and they told him, "Oh, he don't need to go to this grade. He need, he's smart enough to go to the next one." Hmm. Um, and they ended up sending me to a school that was, you know, um, that was pretty white dominant. Okay. I think there were six black kids in the entire school. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, it was a better education um, opportunity. Unfortunately, there was no cultural diversity at all. And um, I felt like I didn't belong, although mentally, educationally wise, I I belonged, obviously. Mm-hmm. But moral, I, I didn't see the moral basis. I didn't see the, the, the connection with, you know, the community. And that bothered me. <clears throat> it bothered me. And it, 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 it affected my my focus. And obviously, I lost focus. Mm-hmm. And um, that opportunity got away from me. And I ended up going back into my community and. And doing what those who I left were still doing. And I got caught up. And I caught a case back in 89, 90. Ended me in prison. Um, When I went to prison, they actually were talking about the death penalty. Wow. And um, mind you, I'm 16, 17 years old, and I'm talking about the death penalty. It's like, how do you have this conversation with a 16, 7-year-old and that he can actually understand it? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't. Mm -hmm. And... um, and immediately, I didn't have time. I can't, I have to admit, I don't even remember crying because I didn't have time to cry. Mm. You know, when they mentioned that, I knew then that it's time to get on, you know, get on the horse and get going. And so I did that. And I, um, when other kids my age were were um, playing basketball, chasing the young girls in the community, you know, doing what everybody else was doing, well, I had to interpret law. I wasn't reading law books because I had what we call back in that time a public pretender. 
are you talking about while you were in? Yes, while I was in the holdout, just before I even oh. went to prison. This oh, okay. was the, mm-hmm. this was when before sentencing, okay. um, before the actual trial, mm-hmm. and so I had to conduct my own my own case in my because I had well, like I said, what we called a public pretender, <laughs> who's a public defender, but obviously he's going only going to be able to do so much. When you're dealing with somebody who's talking about a death penalty, well, I will need you to do more than average. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's all I had. We didn't have the money. And so while my friends were going out and playing basketball on the rec yard and, you know, watching TV and stuff, I was in a law library trying to interpret law because my line, my life was on the line. Mm-hmm. That blessing was that I was smarter than the average 16, 17-year-old, and so it helped me with the learning of the law mm-hmm. and I was able to interpret the law in the manner to where I became my own defense hmm. lawyer, not totally because obviously I couldn't, I was, they, they certified me and made me into an adult because obviously I wasn't an adult yet. Mm-hmm. And so, but, um, the, uh, so I had to have a lawyer, mm-hmm. but my lawyer wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I was the one, um, filing the motions. Wow. I was suppressing the evidence, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I would file it because I could do it. I could file it in my own name, and I did. And I was able to get that that death penalty um, request off of me. Well, it didn't get very much better because it went to life without. Wow. Life without prison. and Without I'm, parole? Without parole. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you know, I, I, I can't go out like this. You know, you know, I didn't do what they're saying I did. I mean, I know what happened, but I didn't mean it like that. It was an accident, you know, and unfortunately somebody lost a life, but I didn't mean to do that. And so I asked that, you know, they be lenient with that. And unfortunately they came at me with the, you know, with the, um, with the full throttle, open throttle. And, and it, um, but it got me going. It got me going. It motivated me. And I fought it. I fought it even more. I sat in jail for a little over a year fighting, you know, trying to get evidence, trying to get them um, witnesses, trying to get, you know, uh, anything that I could to fight my case. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get enough information to where that case was no longer as a value that they tried to make it. And I was able to get that life sentence recommendation off of me. And it went down and it started to dwindle. And I got it down to somewhere in the 25 years. I mean, that's. Well, you think right. I mean, it's a change, but it's still 25 years, which is more years than I had lived on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so I did that, and I got it down, and I couldn't get it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I got it down to 20 years, I think, and I couldn't get it down anymore. And so I was I, I pre-bargained for the 20 years. And I was in agreement with this, Dalton. I mm-hmm. mean, I understood that I broke the law. Mm-hmm. I understood that I did wrong. And I accepted that punishment. Mm-hmm. And I went to prison, and I did what the judge told me to do. He told me to stay within these confinements for X amount of years, and I did that. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for no mercy. I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. I didn't beg. I messed up. Take mm-hmm. my punishment. Um, unfortunately, the system at that time was, was asking for something that the judge didn't um, didn't sense me to. Oh, they wanted my dreams. They wanted my aspiration. They wanted my mind. They wanted all the things that were, I was going to need to survive in society. And I refused to give them access to these things. And I did what was called hard time. Um, I stayed in the hole. Um, I continuously had my my freedom, you know, taken from me inside. I mean, they even took me to Texas. They even illegally shipped me to Texas. Um, I stayed in Texas for, I didn't even know where I was at. No phone call, no visits, no 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 access to the outside. I don't even think there were even windows. And now that I remember, there were no windows in the facility. Um, I didn't even know where I was at. They took, they came in the middle of the night, handcuffed me, drugged me face first across the grass, threw me on a school bus with no restroom, with nothing but a five-gallon bucket as a restroom, and drove me 18 hours to Texas, nonstop. And this is in the dead of the winter. Um, this was in December. And so um, when I got off the bus, didn't recognize where I was at, no access to anyone, and I, and I started to become a survivor. I knew it was unlawful, but who could I talk to? Who could I tell? Mm-hmm. And so I, I told myself, Vander, this is not what the judge sends you to. This is overkill. This ain't right, you know. You don't have to accept this. 
by not accepting this, you're going to get treated in a way that's going to be an example to the others. So that be ready for that. And I took that. I accepted that. And I was. I became an example. Mistreatment again. It was a lot more harsh than Missouri. You know, I would get hit with water holes, um, sick dogs on me. Got hit with a um, were hit with a cow prong, what they used to move cattle. Um, thrown in a cell um, with nothing but my underwear. Hit me with a water hose, soaked me down, soaked the whole cell down, then turned the air on and left me there. Okay, and I shivered, I shake, and I but I knew this wasn't right. And all I had was a pen and paper, and I would write. And I wrote to the ACLU. I wrote to Larry Rice. I wrote to Quincy Troop. I wrote to whoever I thought would listen. And I asked the guard who had mercy to, to sneak these letters out and mail them for me. And that lady, I never forget the lady, Miss Brown, she mailed those letters for me and got them out. One day, I got a call to come up front, and it was Larry Rice and ACLU. Oh. Wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And they had my letters, and they said, Vander, we got your letters. What's going on? And I told them. I told them my story. Mm -hmm. um, come to find out there were other inmates scattered out over Texas from Missouri oh. unlawfully. Mm -hmm. And so this was because we were picked out because we were some of those inmates that wasn't going to go for, you know, for what they were trying to do. We were the ones that were standing up against an unlawful system. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, they got us out of the Missouri. They got us out of here unlawfully. And so be, with the help of Larry Rice, Quincy Troop, um, ACLU, and a couple of other lawyers, they got us back to Missouri. Um, we sued the state of the Missouri Department of Correction and won. Oh. Okay, this is the first and only time that Missouri Department of Correction was sued and won, and the inmates won. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, we were still incarcerated, so that money obviously went back to them because we, mm -hmm. some of us were able to send some of that money home to our family. But for the most part, that money went back to the Department of Correction because that's where we were, we were residing, uh -huh. um, which, you know, didn't mean much to me. I was home. I was able to see a family member. I was able to get on the phone. That was worth money to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so the punishment picked up. Okay, I dare you do all this, okay? And so now here comes the big punishment. And and I got and I took it. Mm -hmm. But I was diligent while I was there and I never gave up on what I wanted to do. I knew that um being there was not my destiny. It was just a it was a it was a temporary residence. It wasn't my you know, it wasn't meant where I was supposed to reside for life and so I never gave it that kind of attention. I treated everything temporary. And um and I stayed focused. And I was blessed to be one of those guys that was talented. Mm -hmm. um, I was always in, in sports. And I believed that I was just as good as Michael Jordan at one point. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I practiced, I practiced, I practiced. And they would laugh at me because I was so diligent in, in being like Mike and being great, being the best in prison. And they would laugh at me and say, man, are you over your at? You're in prison, man. Ain't nobody in here, you know, making it to the league. Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody in here getting no opportunities. You know, you're wasting your time. This just you just doing time. And I told them, well, I don't believe that. I'm going to get out of here one day. They said, yeah, when the judge let you go. I said, well, when I get out of here, I'm going to be ready. And I practice every day, three times a day. If I wasn't in the basketball court, I was, on the, um, I was in the weight room. I restricted my mind of all kind of negative things. I refused to be a part of a system that I knew I wasn't going to be in long. Mm -hmm. And so I kept my mind free. Education, I read books. The only thing that I stole in prison <laughs> was a book. <laughs> I never forget. <laughs> I went to the library and I was reading an ACT book. Mm -hmm. It was ACT prep test book. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to work the problems. And um I, unfortunately, I ran out of time. My time was up, so I asked the librarian if I could um, if I could keep the book and finish the problems. And she said, "No, you can't have these books. You can't take them to your cell." I was like, "Well, you know, ain't like I'm gonna go nowhere. You know, I'll bring the book back." And she's like, "No, you can't do that. But you could take one of these Western novels. You could take one of these love novels." I said, "No, I want the ACT book. No, you can't take that." One. And I just felt like, okay, a book is a book. 
And I felt that that was the dumbest rule ever. So when she turned her back, I took the book and stuck it in the, my back and put my coat over it. Mm-hmm. And I snuck it to the cell. To, in the system, that was called stealing. Mm-hmm. That's why today I say I stole. Mm-hmm. And so I took that ACT book and I would sneak at night and work it because if they caught you with the book, you would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so at night was the only time that I could work in it because the guards wouldn't be moving around. And I would work that book and I would work those problems and I educated myself. I would read the almanac, the services, anything that I knew was that knowledge, I would read it. Math books, I, I educated myself in math. Now, mind you that I got kicked out of high school for fighting. So I wasn't, I didn't graduate. Mm. Um, and I got kicked out my freshman year, I think. And so I didn't ever get into college. So but you I didn't get the GED. Right. I didn't get to do all that. I, um, and so. Um, so let me just tell our listeners who you are again. Oh, my name is This Vander. is Vander Hughes. Vander Hughes. This um, is. And uh, we're just about to hear how the Lincoln University connection yes. began to yes. grow. And this is Pledge Drive Day at KOPN.org, as you've been hearing. And we hope that you will uh, take a few minutes to either go online at KOPN.org or you can call into the station at 573-874-5676 and uh, make some kind of a pledge to support your community radio station. Um, I actually, like I said, I was practicing so much that I became probably the best basketball player in the Department of Correction. And so the way you're in Jeff City, yeah, what I'm, we call the big house. Right. I'm in Jeff cities. City at the time. I'm incarcerated mm-hmm. in Jefferson City. And the word got to the street that there was a guy in prison averaging 41 points a game. And they said, oh, man, who is this guy? And they were like, oh, man, this guy's this, this, that. And so um, they wanted to see me. And so they came in, and they would bring teams in. Lincoln's. Yeah, not bring just in. Lincoln, but other universities. Oh, okay. Even Mizzou, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the surrounding colleges. Um, teams of all kinds would come in and play. They would they say, okay, he's good in prison. Let's see how good he is against, you know, real players, you know. And so they would come in, and I'd give them the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd give them that. Oh, they was like, they, I can't stop this guy. Mm-hmm. Who is this guy? And um, so one of the coaches asked me one day, had you ever been to college? I said, no, sir. He said, have you ever graduated from high school? I said, no, sir. He said, well, what if you had opportunity to go to school? Would you go? I said, yeah, but look where I'm at. I said, that ain't happening. He said, well, keep practicing. Don't give up. <laughs> I'm like, well, whatever. But, you know, I'm in prison. You got to talk to them. I ain't nobody going nowhere. And so he came back. And he asked me again, oh, you been practicing? I said, yes, sir, I've been practicing. He said, so you believe in this, obviously, don't you? I said, well, if you say I can, then I guess I can. He said, man, get your GED. Mm-hmm. Two months later, I got my GED. Okay. He came back. And I told him I got my GED. He said, now start teaching yourself about college. I'm like, what's college, though? I don't know. What is college? He said, well, just do whatever you feel has to do with college. Go ask the mm-hmm. school teachers, give you books and tests, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I did. And that's when this book, you know, issue ACT came up. came up, yeah. And so I practiced, I practiced. And then one day, out of nowhere, I get a call to go up to the ad building. And they told me, Vander, do you have a home plan? I said, for what? I ain't got no parole date. <laughs> I just got set back seven years. Ooh. You know, I'm not going nowhere. And they was like, well, you might need to get your home plan. I'm like, for what? And I'm thinking in my head, here we go again. What state I'm going to end up in now? Hmm. You know, you got me from Texas. Now where I'm going. Hmm. So know? a home plan would be some way to plan for leaving. Right, leaving, the, leaving that facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now I'm so accustomed to the mistreatment and that I'm like, okay, now where are we going? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you're going home. And I said, wait a minute, home, home? He said, yeah. I mean, like, when? He said, Monday. And today, at that time, it was Friday. Wow. He said, so you're going home Monday. I said, so I'm going, no, no, <laughs> nothing. No high-speed chase, no police shooting at me, go home. He said, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. And I walked out of there, and I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I was petrified. I was petrified. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, this something to happen. 
They're watching me. This is the setup. This is where it all ends. Hmm. I can't stop it. And so I prayed, and I think I slept. From Friday to Monday, I may have slept three hours because I, I I couldn't keep my eyes off that door. Yeah. I'm like they're coming through that door at any time, hmm. and I and I um, Monday rolled around, and they called me for the preparation of leaving, and that's when it hit me, you going home. This has this was June first, June first, two thousand four. Okay. I was released. Mm-hmm. And you were released here in Jefferson. And I was released here in Jefferson City to Lincoln University where I received a scholarship to play basketball. Wow. Okay, and so <laughs> I was released June 1st, 2004, and I started Lincoln University June 2nd, mm-hmm. Who was the coach then? Um, it was Terry, was it, I think it was Coach Terry at the time. Okay. Yeah. And um, I think we went through another coach after that got Coach Red. But yeah, pretty much Coach Terry, mm-hmm. and so um, and they they took me under their wing and they they helped me quite a bit. I mean, I'm really grateful to those guys, mm-hmm. and they gave me a, a opportunity. And so, next journey started education. You know, I didn't have SAT, ACT scores, and so I had to take a whole. Um, I think it um, it was a semester. It wasn't a whole year. It was semester. I had to take a whole semester of college courses for no credit. Mm-hmm. I had to prove to the university that I could do um, college equivalent work because I had no ACT or SAT Mm -hmm. scores. Now, you told me coming up that you had never seen a computer. Right. When I went to prison, prison, cell phones nor computers um, existed. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I came home, obviously these are the main source of communication. Mm -hmm. And so I was definitely out the loop. Yeah. And um, when I went to prison, we were writing paperwork. You know, we would write our workout. Mm-hmm. But when I came home, now we're typing. Now it's, it's Word, PowerPoint, Excel, mm-hmm. you know, Access. And I'm like, what is all this? Like Chinese to me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn that. Mm-hmm. And I learned it, but I had to learn it in a time to pass a course. Uh, and, and I did that. And you had a computer teacher you told me yes, about. Yes, Dr. Palangapur. And really... And, and that guy, I never hassled forget, you for a while. I never forget the day he pulled up beside me and asked me why was I in his class, and I told him. I looked there like, "What you mean?" He was like, "You're wasting your time, young man. You ever thought about taking another, you know, path in life? Because this ain't working." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, I'm where I'm supposed to be." He said, "Well, your grades are atrocious." He said, "This is a waste of your time. You know, I'm just being honest with you, Mr. Hughes. This is just, you know." Just try something. Maybe you're better at something else. And I sat there and I listened to him. And then I asked him, you know, could I, you know, tell you something? He was like, sure. I don't, you know, go right ahead. What excuse you got now? <laughs> you know, go right ahead. I'd heard them all. I said, well, you know, I ain't never seen a computer. He was like, what do you mean you never seen a computer? I said, I've never seen a computer. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, what do you mean you never seen a computer? I mean, <laughs> come on now, it's right here. What do you mean? I mean, you know, because what you're doing, Vander, is like equivalent of high school. Your 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 scores are so bad that you had to be, you know, just in here wasting time. The stuff that you're missing is so basic that you should have known in high school. And so I told him, I said, no, sir, um, computers didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I've been in prison. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I've known a lot of guys that go to prison and doing well. Said so. Just because you're incarcerated doesn't mean you're going to flunk. I said no. Computers didn't exist. So he said, "Well, you mind? How long was you locked up?" Mm-hmm. I said, 14 years." Mm-hmm. He did the math real quick. Mm-hmm. He said, "You're right. You've mm-hmm. never seen a computer. You've never seen mm-hmm. a cell phone." Mm-hmm. I said, "No, sir." He said, "Well, now it all makes sense." He said, "So you really don't know this?" I said, "No, I don't." I said, "So now you understand." why I got 40%, 50% on that test. I am learning because 40% I didn't know before this class. Right. So although I flunked, 40% I've learned. And so I am learning. Unfortunately, I'm not learning fast enough to pass your course. So he offers that if you stay after class, he'll help you. And he did. 
And this goes on, and I think you said you ended up with a, a B. Yeah, I ended up with a B, B in, in that class. class. I had a flying elf. I had a red <laughs> flying elf before that, and I ended up with a B. And I continued to take computer classes because I, he told me, Vander, you need to be computer literate. So I want to tell the folks a little bit about how I sort of yeah. got to know you. Because you, I'm not sure how you picked wellness as your degree major, uh-huh. but I was the advisor, and we started talking and mm-hmm. making a plan, and and uh, I learned a little bit about your history, and then offered for you to uh, speak to the class. Yes, mm-hmm. and you told part of your story right. to the whole. Very motive. I mean, they all wanted to talk to you afterwards, yes, and I it remember was that quite. But something that so stood out was that uh, you had a business down at the lake. Yeah. Uh, a t-shirt business. Yeah. T-shirts. And every piece of profit that you would make, you told us that you invested that in a piece of equipment mm-hmm. because you had a vision that you were going to start a, a fitness center. Yeah. And so you were... Piece by piece, you were building your future equipment. Exactly. So that by the time you graduated, all you needed was a facility. A location. And you could move in. Pretty much. And, and you're wearing an interesting T-shirt. I think yeah. it says Bodies by Vander. By Vander. Uh, that's my name. <laughs> that's my name. I and wear it proudly. Your business. I got one of those, too. Yes, you do. I saw you with that on. I appreciated that. I saw that picture. So Bodies by Vander is a, a, a fitness center. Yes. You're a personal trainer. Yes, a personal trainer out in Jefferson Out on City. Industrial Boulevard. Yeah, 2632 um, Industrial Drive, Sweet A. So, Vander, uh, this is Vander Hughes, uh, my guest today on Local News and Social Artistry. And by the way, social artistry is, uh, in the way I describe it, building a more humane society from the inside out. And I can't think of a better example (laughs) than (laughs) my friend Vander Hughes, who has, from the inside out, done everything to make our society more humane that would mean fair Mm -hmm. compassionate kind and yet you have run into obstacle after obstacle yes uh possibly because of your history possibly because you're a black man Mm -hmm. uh can you tell us about some of most definitely um yeah unfortunately yes i have ran into a plethora of obstacles, um, definitely unseen, but all of them are educational. Um, with my Bodies by Vander facility, um, as you mentioned, I was always one. I was always involved in fitness, so there was something that's a passion of mine. Um, and the the um, wellness degree helped me construct my passion in the manner that I do it today. So mm-hmm. that's where that came in. Um, and my purpose was to help people. You know, motivate people because in anything that's life changing requires motivation and continuous motivation. Um, that motivation is going to eventually change because of your journey and how you apply that motivation. And in my case, um, I had been through enough where I had to apply that in that manner. I had to reapply my motivation throughout my incarceration. I had to keep motivated. I had to stay. I had to remain motivated, but yet I had to remap it. Okay, right. there was no time to take breaks, and so that taught me that that's going to be life. Okay, and unfortunately, some people don't have that strength or the mental capacity to to maintain when some of these obstacles are thrown in front of them, and there was nobody better than myself that I knew that had went through enough and gotten through enough to teach it mm-hmm. or preach it. Mm-hmm. And I always a firm believer that you can only preach what you you can only um preach what you live. You know, and well so mm-hmm. that's what I, I I I um said that I would do that. And so to this by having bodies by Vander, it gave me a platform to preach what I had lived. Mm-hmm. Um and I used my platform in a way to motivate and encourage people to stick with what they started. You know, um, when you say you want to do something, 
Okay, that's the first step. That's the first step is to think it. The next step is to start making it into a reality. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no amount of steps in that process, but that is the very next step. And so, unfortunately, um, you will say that it's going to play out one way, then it'll play out another way. Mm-hmm. So you say, oh, man, I didn't see this coming. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Some people throw in the towel. Some people give up. Well, I, I was one of those people that told myself, no, giving up is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Okay? Uh, if I fail, I fail forward. So that's not failure. That's progress. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever I do in life, I will transition. I will not quit. I will transition to the next phase, mm-hmm. which means growth, mm-hmm. progress. Okay? And so I had to teach myself to to reword my vocabulary mm-hmm. so that I can repeatedly talk to myself. Mm-hmm in an inspiring, motivating way. Mm -hmm. And so some words I took out of my vocabulary, Mm -hmm. like can't, Mm -hmm. won't, Mm -hmm. you know, I took those words out because those words have power. Mm -hmm. And if you use them repeatedly, they will make themselves a reality. And you will find yourself can't doing, you can't do what you said that you can't Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And so um, I use my life, present and past, as a form of of a platform mm-hmm. I want people to see me mm-hmm. I want them to see what I go through mm-hmm. I want them to hear what I go through mm-hmm. because they'll, they'll be able to create a, their own visual and with Bodies by Vander some of the obstacles that were thrown at me were definitely unnecessary mm-hmm. um, I only wanted to help people I only help people that's my and you know I'm fair Mm-hmm. Um, somebody had to help me. You yourself helped me. Mm-hmm. I was a total stranger to you, and you helped. You gave me honest help, mm-hmm. and that honest help helped catapult me to who I am today. Mm-hmm. And so I returned that. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know the pay it forward policy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's in life as well. Mm-hmm. So when you go through something, well, you pay it forward mm-hmm. because that's hopeful that the next person will have to go through, it. and that's what I do. I'd use my platform to help discourage people in doing what I did, um, making some of the mistakes that I made. And fitness requires a certain amount of discipline, a certain amount of consistency, a certain kind of motivation. Everybody knows it. Everybody wants it. Mm -hmm. But what we find out when we go to to trying it, that it requires a lot more than we were willing to give up. And what I do is I teach people how to stick with that. And I help walk them through their journey. What I tell them when they come in my gym is that you don't have to know where you're at. You don't even have to understand why you're here. All I'm going to need you to do is listen to my voice. I'm going to be your voice in the wilderness. Just listen to my voice and I'll guide you out of here. I'll guide you through this journey. You don't even have to believe in it. You don't even have to know where it's going. Just trust me on this. Mm-hmm. And the process of is building that trust. Mm-hmm. And once they trust me, they find out, wow, this guy really is leading me in a path that I had no recognition. I had no understanding of. Mm-hmm. And we get somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I've met a lot of people who've changed their life, and I was a part of it. That's, that's historical. Mm-hmm. That's not only historical. That's, that's also something that's infinity. And I, I crack jokes and I tell them when we're going to be old one day and you're going to remember, you're going to say, this old, this black bald head guy, I don't remember his name, but and you're going to talk about me because I helped you at a point in your life that changed it. Right. So that was my, that's my everyday drive. And that's all I wanted to do. But in town of Jefferson City, they don't welcome new business very well. Um, I'm not a I'm not an uh, indigenous you know, um, resident of Jefferson City. I'm mm-hmm. from St. Louis, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, and I know how I came to Jeff City. I came to Jeff City under a cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood where that cloud came from, and I accepted what came with that cloud. But that cloud should not be holding me back anymore. Mm-hmm. And society will use your past. At a strategic time in your life when you're trying to make change, mm. when you're trying to make change for yourself and others, you become a threat to some who would rather not see that change. Mm-hmm. 
And since they can't stop your drive, they can't stop your motivation, mm-hmm. will they stop your platform? Uh-huh. And that's what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Remove me from my platform. Okay. Which was your business. Which was my business. Yeah. Because it was only going to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that started in 2014. Here it is, 2018 almost. Mm-hmm. And we're still there. Um, we have now um, gotten more respect. Nowhere near as much as I would like, mm-hmm. but we definitely have a huge support base now. Mm-hmm. We're accredited. Um, we we have a lot of people that have come through our doors that that um, have really changed their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I have two other ladies that um, work with me: Lamisha Newman and Veronica Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, those are two young ladies that actually were a part of my programs, and they changed their life, and they're now trainers. They must have passed boot camp. Oh yeah, <laughs> they made it through boot camp, and now they've taken on the 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 the. the the torch and now they're leading their own journey and encouraging other people and that's that's my passion Mm -hmm. that was my passion to help people because i in throughout my life no matter what i did it was all made possible because somebody helped me Mm -hmm. somebody believed in what i was saying that i wanted to do Mm -hmm. and they took a chance on me Mm -hmm. and i out of that i didn't have any money i still don't have any money (laughs) um you keep investing back in the i keep putting it back right and so i'm rich in in motivation i'm Mm -hmm. rich in spirit and i um and i've always respected the help that was given to me by using it for what i told them i was going to do with it Mm -hmm. if you help me this is what i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. and if they help me i made it my business to do what they were helping me for Okay. I can't repay you in a monetary way. Right. I may not even be able to give you much of anything else, but I can give you gratitude. Right. And that I will, and I've been, as I've been doing that since day one. Mm-hmm. And the town makes it tough on us. You know, when I say us, black business mm-hmm. in that town. Um, unfortunately, that runs a lot of them off yeah. because they'd rather not deal with it. And they'd say, oh, it's an easier place somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, that was not me. Mm-hmm. I don't quit. I don't give up. You know, and I don't scare. Mm-hmm. And so those things make you better. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I believe that I was battle built. Because <laughs> yeah, that's all so I've true. had in my life was a battle. <laughs> yeah. And I get through and I'm scarred, I'm bruised, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm still moving. You know, and so I understand that where I'm at has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. I'm meant for something else, mm-hmm. and I'm just keeping my mind and my spirit clean. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I can be of use one day. Right. I'm not allowing these distractions to deter me. Mm-hmm. The powers that's behind this distraction, that's their battle. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to deal with that mm-hmm. because I'm genuine. I'm honest. I'm doing it by the book. Mm-hmm. By the book. And you learn what the book says. Yes. <laughs> that's how you that's know how you're doing I know it by the, the book, book. And that's the trouble that they run into when they keep pushing yeah. a, a roadblock in front of you. They find you out that I know the book. The book. Yeah. They know I yeah. know the book. Right. Because the book is for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, And I don't care. That, yes, I am a black man. It's, mm-hmm. I'm a black man every day I wake up and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's never going to change. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to allow that to be a... a, a deciding factor in my success mm-hmm. in my journey because it's never going to change and so how about we deal with things that are changeable you know and that's what i keep my mind in these books that mm-hmm. they use against me and i've been able to stay where i'm at not by no no effort trust me mm-hmm. it took them nine months to give me my license mm-hmm. and it takes any other business less than 30 days mm-hmm. By the time I got my license in my hand, it was almost time to renew them. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is what the city did to me, you mm-hmm. know. But did I give up? No. Mm-hmm. You know, and with the police, I got pulled over one month. I got pulled over 18 times. Mm-hmm. It's 30 days in a month. <laughs> Not once did I get a ticket. Mm-hmm. So what was the justification for pulling me over every other day? Isn't that a DWB? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. I was driving while I was black, yeah. and they knew who I was, and they would 
deliberately remind me that I wasn't welcome in Jeff City mm -hmm. and I didn't care. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a compliment to me. Mm -hmm. Because I'm little old Vander and but yet you take it you you require you give so much attention to little old Vander. That's a compliment. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I took that and I put it in my head as a feather. Mm -hmm. And here they am today, we're still moving, we're still grooving. Mm -hmm. I've um and the only thing that's criminal is my drive, my motivation trying to wake awaken black people to believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. We can change where we are. Mm -hmm. Our situation isn't etched in stone. Mm -hmm. It's our thinking that's etched in stone. Mm -hmm. We change our thinking, we change our position. I, I, I try to feel what you've gone through. And that's typical. It's, it's so... That's typical So for, distant from my experience. It's typical be, for that purpose. Um, lifestyles. Yeah. You know, upbringing. Um, they're so different in, 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 in how they were applied that it's almost, it's, it's, it's fabricated. It almost sounds fabricated, you know, because in your, in your world is actual fairness. In mine, there is no such thing as fairness. Mm -hmm. It's how much can you tolerate. Right. You know, and um, when you're done, you give up. And, and, and I've just been diligent and I don't give up, but... When we, when I try to talk to you know white people, and I explain to them that I understand that you're not deliberately out to get me, but your system that you're allowing to stay in in place mm -hmm. is what's preventing me. Right. The so system. if you're not in to change the system, right. then you're just as good as the system. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mean that you're racist. You're just in approval. Your approval is with the racist mm -hmm. because you're supporting the policies. You're supporting these unfair laws and regulations mm -hmm. that's being applied. So that makes you just as guilty. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't know that I'm doing that. Right. That's the, 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 the sort of the shocker to us yeah. is that we're, we think we need to know the law so we don't get a ticket. Right. But we don't realize that you may... <laughs> Get a ticket, yeah. even though you, you I do need know to know the law for a different reason, right? And um, unfortunately, that's the norm. Mm -hmm. um, How would they contact you? Well, they can definitely contact me through Bodies by Vander um, on Facebook. You can Google it. Um, email bodiesbyvander at gmail dot com. My phone number is public on my page um, mm -hmm. five seven three two five seven. Six one seven one, and you do motivational speaking. Yes, I do. I, I motivation. I do motivational speaking for all um, all areas, mm -hmm. business. You know, um, social mm -hmm. um, kids, grown ups, mm -hmm. athletes. I have a way to talking to people that I can wake them up. I, mm -hmm. I can get you going. I could get you fired up, and it's all honest. It's all true. I hear you. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely, you um, reach out to me in those ways. Um, I appreciate, you know, this platform. I appreciate your opportunity you mm -hmm. gave me. I appreciate the friendship that we've we've um we've grown. Um, you've been a motivation to me. Um mm -hmm. I've told you that several times. Mm -hmm. Um whether you remember them or not, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you've definitely been a motivation to me. Um you're one of the people that I consider a friend, mm -hmm. a genuine friend. Mm -hmm. And here is another opportunity that we've taken advantage of and hopefully people will you know, get this message and reach out and we can do a collaboration of some sort and try to, you know, um, make things better, make this world more humane, like you said. Amen. You know? Thank you, Vander Hughes. <laughs> yes, wellness bump. Yeah, you know how we started. Yeah. <laughs> See you on Glocal News and Social Artistry next Wednesday.